One of the most anticipated Kickstarters of 2023 is going on right now, and that is Game Toppers 4.0. Now, we've talked about Game Toppers many times over the past several years. Game Toppers allows you to turn any table into a gaming table. With various sizes and various finishes, all of them are made with high-quality, military-grade aluminum. They have a stable, non-slip performance while protecting your existing table surface. They can all be put together in just a couple minutes. And you can buy accessories for them, such as collapsible cup holders and other accessories. So what is new with Kickstarter 4.0? That's a brand new designer art series of mats from noted artist Brent Woodside. And I really can't do the art on these mats justice. You really need to go out to the Kickstarter, which you can find in the link in our show notes and check them out for yourself. In addition, they have other thematic mats that are going to be coming out, such as Starfield. There's a horror one. There are 10 total in all. And you'll want to see all of these for yourself or on the Kickstarter page. And you probably want a way to store these mats. So now they're offering the Baker Street Mat Storage Caddy for being able to roll your mats and hang them up on a wall. And now they have the Young Sherlock Leg Kit, which is perfect for children's gaming, puzzles, and a movable coffee table. Take a game topper, attach these shorter legs with casters on them, looks great in the living room or in a kid's playroom. This Kickstarter ends on November 28th, 2023. So you want to make sure and go over, check out everything there, see which product will fit your needs and place your order there. To find out more, head over to GameToppersLLC.com. Welcome to Rolling Heads and Sucking Blood. This is my favorite Halloween-themed episode. There will be talk of games played at what is this booby-cue. Games like Halloween, Ensemble, Ghost Candy 2, Brussels 1893. I was there. Bark Avenue and then the Arkham Horror Book Review. Prepare for your life to be sucked out of you. So just like any other episode. Exactly. (laughs) Hello and once again, welcome to Rolling Dice and Taking Names. This is episode 307, Spooky. My name is Marty. Spooky. No, the song Spooky. But it's really spooky because this isn't Tony, it's Vanessa. All along, we had planned for this episode to be our big episode where we talk about the games that we'll play during our annual Boobicue event, which is a lot of Halloween-themed games. However, at the last minute, Tony had a family event that he had to attend, and so graciously, Vanessa (laughs) is sliding up to the mic to handle this entire segment where we talk about all the amazing games we played during Boobicue. I am very excited to talk about Booby Q. Do you know why? Why is that? Because I am always there and have been from the beginning. That's right. And here's, I should have <laughs> counted how many years we've done this. Yeah, we should have. That's probably our sixth or seventh year at least. At least, I would think. Yeah. Maybe even more. <laughs> Unfortunately, we don't have a, we haven't got it documented. I should have been putting like first annual, second annual, third annual for the invitations and everything. Yeah, we need to look back. I'm sure we can. We can go back and look at the pictures. I know the very first year we had it is when Richard Launius came and Pete Shively? Shirey. Shirey. Yep. Shirey came. Yep. Yeah. 
Yeah, that was really cool having uh, Richard here, and he he led a game of Arkham Horror. Yes. Yeah, which yeah. was really cool. Yeah, that was amazing. So for those who don't know what this is, this is a, an event that we have every year in the basement of our home, where we invite a lot of friends over to the basement, which Vanessa has so well decorated. Do a great job decorating the basement down there. I try and, to make it spooky. Oh, by the way. So how many versions of Spooky have you heard this year, the song Spooky? It seems like every time I turn on the radio or something, there's like a different version of Spooky played. Marty, I would have to say none. Really? Yeah. I don't turn on the radio. So I've been listening to, uh, okay, a little side note, a little squirrel. Squirrel. We always listen to War of the Worlds by Jeff Wayne. During, yes, during uh, October. Yeah. We start October 1st and we listen to that musical. Which I have done since 1978. I have a lot of Halloween traditions come to find out. Yeah. Is that is that good? Is it know. good or are we well, it's like, like, it's like stuck? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's just one of those things I get excited about, like listening to War of the Worlds and my entire family, including our sons, only listen during October. Yeah. And and no, it is good. It's very good. We wait till October first. We started October first and it is it feels so much like fall. It's one of the things we look forward to. Along with booby cute. But I was saying that just to say I listen to music that my, my playlist. That's mm-hmm. what I'm trying to say. I hear a lot of it when you go into uh, stores and they have stuff playing over the intercoms. Sometimes I'll play seasonal stuff and I hear different versions of kind of spooky. But I just learned something about this song. Uh, <laughs> so my favorite version of the song is from Atlanta Rhythm Section. Uh-huh. I know it was originally recorded by a group called the uh, Classics 4. Uh-huh. And I always wondered, why did Atlanta Rhythm redo that song, which is probably the more popular version? Because a couple of the members of the Classics Four who wrote the song went on to become members of Atlanta Rhythm Section. Get out of and here. And so they re-recorded it. So we learned something today. We did. So, um, <laughs> oh, another one of my big traditions, uh, before I forget, is uh, Guild Wars. Yes. Ever since 2005. Let me say it because I know it. Mad King Thorn. That's right. Makes an appearance every year where you play Mad King Says. And it started in Guild Wars 1. It's continued in Guild Wars 2. And it's always a big deal for me to go and play against uh, Mad King Thorn. So that's also a tradition since, wow, 2005. So yes, a bunch of Halloween traditions, including our now big barbecue event. So we started it for the gaming friends that we have here locally and these guys really help marty and tony out a lot come and play the games they've even been on some of the episodes here so it's just a time for us to get together it's a potluck everybody brings a dish and it is amazing and we have a friend steve gibbs who is i say he's a champion barbecuer i don't know the right I words know, I to think say he's, a, he's an official barbecue he judge fi- yes yes yeah, yeah. And so what he does is everybody chips in uh, and he gets some barbecue, some ribs, and he does them up for us and brings them in. That's why we call it barbecue. And I, and I think it was sitting around with all of the friends one night. We said, hey, we need to we need to do something. And I forgot who actually came up with it. Maybe it was a group effort, but we said barbecue, boo, barbecue, <laughs> ding. And it's been going ever since. So it was a great time. But during the day, basically, we go from... Uh, probably about like 11 a.m. until almost 10. 11. It was 10. Yeah, until about 11 p.m. at night. Yeah, it was 11 or 11.30. Yeah, so it's a 12 uh, plus hours. People bring games. 
Uh, we got several tables set up. Games aren't necessarily scheduled. People just say, what do you want to play? And they get it out and they play it. And and I was really focused on trying to play some really good Halloween-themed games mm-hmm. uh, this year that I had. But I played some uh, others, too. In fact, I started out with a game that you were not down there for. It's a re-release of a classic Euro game called... Do you know how to pronounce B-R-U-X-E-L-L-E-S? Oh, so it's Brussels. It's Brussels? It's Brussels. Oh, okay. So Brussels 1893 is you're playing as an architect. Okay. And you're trying to build buildings. Now, I know, Vanessa, I, I know what games you like. And th- th- I, there's a specific reason I didn't ask you to sit and play this game. Because you would say, is this one of those games where you take a piece and you put it down like a worker placement (laughs) game and you get some resources and you turn on those resources and you get victory points? Okay. (laughs) Yes, it is. Well, tell me how this game was wonderful and different then. Well, here's the thing. I've really gotten into playing these re-releases of older classic Euros. There have been a lot of, you know, new stuff coming out, but it's interesting to go back and visit the old classics that still real feel really good. Mm-hmm. Does this really break the mold and do anything really new or different? Maybe not, but it incorporates a lot of really interesting things. Like, you know, typically when you, you have your meeple and you put it on something, you get to take an action. Well, the actions you select each round are going to be varied each time uh, because you have a grid of actions that you can take. The first player uh, will flip over a card and say, okay, on this grid, I'm going to give you two points on the grid. And you get to section off the grid that will be used that turn for being able to take action. So the entire grid's not available to you, only a section. So the first player may say, well, I want to make sure I get these actions available to me and I get to go first and go. But not only that, that grid is also where you as an architect can put one of your buildings on there. And when you build a building, when somebody else takes an action there, you get a little bit of a benefit. And I've always liked games. You've played Lords of Waterdeep. Remember yes. when you could build yeah. buildings and somebody went there, you got a little benefit? Yes. It's kind of like that. Yeah. So I've always liked uh, uh, games with, with that sort of effect. So that was kind of unique. And also is unique when you place a worker, you have to put a bid or some money with it, at least one BF. I was calling it best friend, but it's a uh, Russell <laughs> Frank. At the end of the round, you add up all the bids in a column. And at the bottom of the column is a card that gives you an instant benefit. And so you can get that card and it might be used as an instant benefit or help with in-game scoring. So what's really cool is as you're taking worker placement actions, you're also bidding on a card at the bottom of the column that you might can get at the end of the round. So it does a lot of little clever things like that, which made it really enjoyable. There was three of us that played and it took about two and a half hours uh, to play it. But it was kind of it was an easy learn. It's really just learning what each of the actions do and then go from there. So I, I liked it. Yeah, every time I would walk around, y'all looked like y'all were having a really good time, and it looked really nice laid out on the table. The graphic design and art on it is really top-notch. It it does look really good. And what's really cool about this re-release is there were a couple expansions that came out, and they're included in this box. So you buy this one box, and it has the other expansions, which gives you some additional playability in the game. Nice. Did you, did you tell me who... Who made that? Who makes that game? I did not. It is designed by Atene Esperman and is published by Geek Altitude Games and was provided to us by Flat River Group. So this game is is a brand hot new hot new game. Not a okay. hot new game. It's just it's just now coming out. It plays two to five players, and again, it's going to play anywhere from the, depending on the number of players. 
uh, you know, maybe up to two hours, something like that. Again, we kind of went slowly went through it, learning how to play it and everything like that. So Tony didn't get a chance to play. So I like for him to check it out because mm -hmm. he tends to like these kind of euros too. So if somebody's looking for like a classic euro, interesting worker placement game with some really cool, unique mechanics. They might want to look into this one and it does look great on the table. Now, while I was playing that, you got to play another game of Azul, which uh, you hadn't played in a while. Yeah, it's been it's been quite a few years since I played it with you, but I do like that game and wish we would play it more. And that was I played that with a couple of our friends, and they were just looking through your games and said, "Hey, let's play this." while we're waiting on another game. And I love that game because of those beautiful, beautiful tiles. Yeah, the the tiles, the nice little I guess like acrylic tiles are fun to play with and everything. And which reminds me, also a game that has some really cool tiles that you and I got to play was Tiger and Dragon uh, at the end of the night, which also has some really cool tiles too. So I have already talked about that game on 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 the show and we've reviewed it and everything. But what, what did you think as first time playing it? I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed playing that game. It took me a couple rounds to really pick up exactly what I was doing. And I think I say it was kind of hard for me to distinguish some of the numbers the way they were written. Mm -hmm. I got the hang of it and I liked it. I got a few points. <laughs> no, you did. I mean, and, and there was the, the game that we played actually took a lot longer than I, what I thought we would because we were all kind of staying uh, really close to each other. But yeah, that's one of those games too that has really nice components. That's from Oink Games and typically they don't have those. It's just a card game. So for having them little, cute little dominoes uh, on there was really nice. For the listeners that don't know, I love dice games. I love games with like nice manipulatives. I like dice. I like the tiles. I like the pretty components. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. like pieces. Right, exactly. And that's one, one of my favorite pieces, like poker chips. And so I uh -huh. got out my uh, really nice poker chips that I got uh, that were used like in brass. Um, they're called uh, Ironworks, Ironclays. It's from Roxley Games. And uh, I bought a set of them and I used them on uh, Brussels, uh, which people really enjoyed as opposed to the little punch out tokens. Oh, okay. And we also used them for the crazy wild game of Ready, Set, Bet that we played last night. Now, you were over there reading the book that we're going to be talking about later, but we had a ball playing that game. Now, and I have played that with you. Yes. Ready, Set, Bet is an amazing fun game. Yep. How did how did the guys oh, like it? You they were first timers playing, right? Most had never played it. Uh -huh. And that game always has the same reception by the third or fourth race. People are standing, they're yelling, they're cheering. It mm -hmm. is just such a fun time. And once you understand how the game works, it's really all you're doing is watching somebody roll dice and move the horses along the board and you're just placing your bets on there. And then you get unique abilities which really make it stand out and everything. I know that uh Nate uh, who was here last night. He's he's a designer, and uh, he was like really appreciate a lot of things that uh, John DeClaire uh, put into this game, who was the designer of the game. Well, it's really neat when you have a game. It's a board game. It's, it's just there on the table. You start playing, and then all of a sudden, everyone is up and moving and yelling. It becomes such a, a physical game mm -hmm. as well. Go number 10, go number 10, go red, go red. I can't remember the things I, were hearing. Yeah. I was hearing over there, but they were really getting into it. Of course, I think you fell asleep a little bit at some point during that day and took a little nap on the couch. Oh, well, y'all might have heard me snoring in the midst of that. <laughs> I over Is there really a horse in here? What is happening? <laughs> I went over there to check on you. You was like, oh, okay, she's going to take a little nap for the before we get into some other games and stuff. I think I told you then, though, I like to I like to go to sleep. While hearing things going on in, in the background. So it was really neat. Yeah, you always have to have background noise on, like TV always has to be on or something. 
Well, it doesn't always have to be on to go to that. Okay, that's that's for another episode with the TV going to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. Um, but did I hear you say that you have never actually played it? You've only ran the games? Actually heard me say that. So it, did you play? No. So I, you I have never it. actually played the game? I've never played as the person placing bets. I've always ran the game for people. And there is an app. There is an app that you can use that will actually do the horse racing for you. I just think it's more fun watching somebody roll the dice and see the, the results oh, of the yes, dice as you yes, go. Yes, yes, Well, we'll have to maybe over Thanksgiving see if we can get you to play. Yeah. Get someone else to run it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really easy to run. It's literally just roll and move the horse that from the number that comes up. I guess I could run it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, we got to play. Uh, <laughs> we, for sure. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> Daphne on Fraser. Sure. I always like try to get games that can get a lot of people engaged in playing. And uh, one of those was a uh, brand new game from Aries Games called Ensemble. Now, I got to see this at Gen Con. This is designed by Luigi Farini and Danielle Orsini. And uh, this is a co-op game where it kind of feels like uh, Dixit, where there's a, it starts the game out with two cards that just have some sort of art on them. Mm-hmm. And then there's a third card you draw from the same deck. And each of you secretly try to pick which of the two cards out here most matches this other card. Okay, hang on. Yeah. I need to paint a better picture. All right, here we go. <laughs> First of all, there was a track with nine spaces, correct? Correct. So that's laying out. On the top, you had two pictures. To start the game, To yes. start the game, there were two pictures. Then, did we not draw a card and put on the bottom? Correct. And then, you choose... Everybody had a hand of cards numbered from one through nine, and you picked, which starting out, you pick either one or two. Uh, which of those most matches the challenge card on the bottom? Yes. I don't know if you said there was a challenge card. No, I, I don't know if yeah, you said Yeah, I probably that. didn't. See, this is, this is why I need you on here, because I would just keep on rambling and nobody understand, and Tony would just like, just, just get to the point whether he liked it or not. So, I appreciate that. <laughs> I'm not good to be here because I want to talk about so many other things, but I'll try to keep it to this. <laughs> That's fine. Hey, that's why we have squirrel moments on this show. <laughs> so I'm going to give a little teaser squirrel. Okay. When I read a book, I take everything and, and I'm, I feel like everyone does this and I play it in my mind like a movie. Mm-hmm. That's how I want the listeners to feel when they listen to you describe what the game looks like. They should be able to visualize it. Which I stink at. I admit, I, I am really bad at drawing pictures of things. Mental pictures. Well, I am too. <laughs> so, but, but anyway, you got your not, you got your, you got your board. Your track is not. There's nine levels. Yeah. Each player has nine cards. Mm-hmm. You start with two on top. The challenge on the bottom. You put the number down, and if everybody matches on this yes. very first round, excellent. You won. The card that got the most voids, uh, points goes down, or the most votes. Well, let's try that again. The I card like that, that got, word though, Voight. We can start that. <laughs> John Voight. The card who got the most votes goes down as the new challenge card, and a new card comes off the deck. Now, if you pass the round, you move the marker from the, uh, the tracker from two to three. Now, there are three cards on top. So mm-hmm. now, one of those three, will ma- you want to match the bottom. So as the game goes on, there's going to be more cards along the top, making it harder to get a, a consensus or a majority. And as you were doing that, along with the track... You have health. Life tokens. Yeah, life health, tokens. health tokens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if you failed around, you lose a life. Mm-hmm. And so if you lose, run out of life, then the game is over. But at some point in time, 
uh, once you lose enough life, you're actually allowed to have a certain number incorrect or a certain number different than the majority. It may start out, look, if everybody voted for the same uh, card but one, you pass. Mm-hmm. Yep. But a bonus is if everybody matches on the card, if you've lost any life, you get to regain a life back. So there is a way to regain your health. It's just as you move along the round, by the ninth round, there are nine cards sitting out there mm-hmm. and everybody must pick and the then, same one. Now tell me because I've forgotten, because there were times that you had more than one challenge card. That's because what happens if two of the cards were tied for votes, both of those cards go to the bottom. Yes. And yes. the card that is picked must match both of those. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That was very interesting. Yeah. Again, that's a good holiday game because it plays up to 10 people. And how many did we had? Eight or nine? Uh, Yeah, something like that. Yep. So just go ahead and say it. What? About, about the cards and laying them out. We <laughs> Marty asked me afterwards. He said, did you like this game? And I did. I really liked it. We, everyone liked it. But there were two or three rounds where everyone had the very same card but me. (laughs) Everybody was on the same wavelength. But here's the thing. Even though you were different, that's also interesting, too, is because if there's different cards, people would ask, why did you vote for that one? And people would come up with similarities. Oh, I never thought of that. So you have some clever reasons why you voted for a different card. I never got the sense that any of y'all thought it was cl- <laughs> that I was clever. <laughs> but you saying that there were several rounds where three might have three people may have chosen the same card, four people chose the same card, or whatever. It is a very interesting game to discuss people's thought processes mm-hmm. of why they would choose a card, and they're. They're very unique cards. Yeah. D- yeah. It's very nice the, art. It's yeah. very playful, colorful art. Yeah. It's not like abstract. It's for no. sure things. It's like yes. people. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. very recognizable objects. Yes. That are yeah. in there too. Yeah. Dicks that, you know, can have some of some weird yeah. pictures and stuff. Mm-hmm. This is like more, more straightforward. Anyway, Ensemble. I think it's a great holiday game for the holidays coming up. Plays 15 Absolutely. to 30 minutes. 100% agree. From Aries games. Uh, that was a big one. So here's one. That we played that people had some different thoughts on. Now, this is from Arcane Wonders, designed by Dave Neal, and it's called Dubious. Now, in this game, everybody was given an occupation and a secret. And then you took time to come up with a story for you as that character for a name, whatever. And there were three different periods that you could pick. At the beginning of the game, we could pick Victorian England, Modern, or Fantasy. Mm-hmm. And, we and we played Victorian, Victorian England. So you were given a, again, an occupation and a secret. And what you do is you come up with a little story to tell about your character because you're trying to get other people to guess what your occupation and secret is. And there's going to be five questions that are asked during an entire game. Everyone around the table will answer the same question, telling their own little story. The trick of the game is... Let you- me say it. You do it. (laughs) The trick of the game is you want people to guess your occupation and your secret, but you don't want everyone to guess. You want to be a little dubious. Dubious. (laughs) (laughs) We are goobers. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so we don't want to be too obvious because at the very end of the game... Everybody's going to guess both of those things. Let me set it up for you listeners. You have 
not really a tableau, but you have your card. You have, you have a, a card. Screen. You have a screen. You have a screen, yep. And you have, it's um, 14, I think it was 14 occupations and 14 secrets. And they're listed out for you. And then you have uh, a nice piece of paper and they give you nice pens. Did the pens come with it? The uh, pencils? Yeah, the pencils, yeah. Yeah, nice pencils and the paper comes with it. So you can write down, so you can remember your occupation and your secret. Now, at the beginning, Marty, you're actually given two of each type of card. So you actually choose mm-hmm. what you want. And then you write down what you didn't choose. So, so they, you can remember you see, that. You can eliminate that. from. You can at least yeah. eliminate one. Yeah. And then you have spaces to write all of the players' names mm-hmm. and their new name that they've created. And then you have a nice space to write down the answers to your questions and take notes. Right. And there's, there could be questions like, what did you dream about last night? Mm-hmm. And through that, you kind of convey a dream that you maybe have told. So at the very end of the game, let's say it's, it's my turn. It's like, okay... What do you guys think I am? And everybody writes down secretly on their page. I think this is your occupation and this is your secret. And then I reveal. If you guessed mine correctly, you get a point. If you guessed both occupation and secret, you get two points from me. How me as the role player gets points is I get point for everyone that was correct. But if everybody guessed my occupation, I get no points for that. Or if everybody guessed my secret... I get no points for that because I was too obvious. Mm-hmm. And just some examples. I can't see it from here. Like I was a baker. Just give a couple examples of the occupations and the secrets. Yeah. So for you could have a magician who hides their noble birth or a mechanic who's a counterfeiter or an admiral who has pet snakes. Yeah. So you have like 14 occupations, 14 secrets. I think we played with six people and maybe three or four of us loved it. Loved it. This is a game I think it takes a special type of person who gets into storytelling and role playing. Like, <laughs> sorry. You're like, this type of game takes a special person. It's called creative, <laughs> imaginative. Yes. So, Bert and I, <laughs> outgoing. Bert and I enjoyed no. the game. He said it was tough for him to come up with yeah. clever story. You and Casey and Casey. And Steve. Did amazing. I mean, Casey teaches, teaches literature. Oh, yeah. So she was able to come yeah. up with some really <laughs> descriptive terms and tell a great story. And you're very creative, too. And like all of y'all immediately on my first clue guessed, okay, he's having a seance. I mean, immediately. Yeah. You said we grab hands. And <laughs> but, but anyway, I, I do think this is one of those things that uh, you, you, it's, it, you do have to be creative and be able to tell clever stories and stuff. So if somebody's really into that sort of thing, this is a great game for them. If somebody is less likely, oh, I'm not creative. I don't think I can come up with a good story or something like that. You know, maybe it'll be a little bit tougher to do. Well, I guess because I really enjoyed it. I don't know. I don't know. Because you and you and Bert did amazing. I struggled. <laughs> I really struggle with some of the answers because everything I thought, oh, this is good. And it's like, no, that is way too obvious on what this is. <laughs> well, that's that's the And then I thought one of the best ones y'all are so confused on. So I was a private investigator and I said, yeah. what, what was it? Uh, describe your build or something like that. And I said, I am very flexible. I can touch my toes. We were all like, which job needs to be flexible? And I was picturing weirdest having to bend over with a magnifying glass looking for clues. So 
but nobody got it from that. See, that was fun. You did like it. We, as a group, thoroughly enjoyed Dubious. Yeah. Thoroughly enjoyed it. So, What are the ages on that? Have we been saying the ages for all of these? Uh, no, we haven't. I mean, everything's been... Well, this one says 13 plus, yeah, which is They've been good right. family group games. I do, Other, think be, yeah. I do think it'd be a little bit harder for a younger person to get the grasp of, oh, I can't just flat out say who I am because they just won't get any points at the I, end. I think, yeah, 13 and up. Yeah. But for a good 30 minute, and again, for playing up to six players, this is also another good holiday game because mm-hmm. you can just kind of sit around and, and just have fun telling stories. Yeah, it, it was a lot of fun. And I guess the occupations and everything change with each of the genres that you choose. Yeah, whether fantasy or modern. Mm-hmm. So yeah, those are the two things uh, that change. So that is Dubious uh, from Arcane Wonders. This is a great time in the episode for me to go and get a cup of coffee. All right. A few moments later. A little behind the scenes here at the Connell household. Every night around... Pull the curtain back, Marty. Around seven-ish? Vanessa puts no, it's on a usually pot of coffee. a little earlier. Okay. Like, yeah. But so every night there's like a pot of coffee and, and it's decaf because mm-hmm. nobody wants to be kept up late with the caffeinated stuff. That's and, true. And uh, we have a cup of coffee usually with some creamer. Now, right, I will say there was a funny story yesterday. Yes, there was. So we had some K-Cups out for people to be able to use the Keurig or to make their own coffee. Well, first of all, I, I, I do like coffee. I love coffee, but I also love creamer. <laughs> so I am one of those. I like a little coffee with my creamer. And I like flavored coffees. Mm-hmm. And we order a lot of coffees from Geek Grind and Bones. Bones. And, yep. Love coffee, love flavored coffee. Yep. Late during barbecue, somebody said, do you just like having any just black coffee? <laughs> And I said, you mean stuff without flavor? And he went, yeah. But Vanessa and I went, no. We have white chocolate and vanilla, brown sugar crumble, uh, chocolate pancake. (laughs) We do. We have a chocolate pancake right now. But actually, I did have some plain coffee. Now, don't drink your to- coffee too fast because you're going to hang around and do a special taste buds with me. So, yes, I so am. I'm very that. excited about that taste buds. All right. So let's get back uh, to some uh, games we put. Let's dive into. Can I say something real quick? Oh, my gosh. Like, the, like we stopped and got the coffee. And I'm sorry if this episode goes too long. <laughs> but this is what Booby Q is. We play a game. You eat. Everyone brings the best food. You you play a game. You eat. You eat. Play a game. Do it all simultaneously. It's an amazing day. It's just grazing all day long. All Everybody day long. brings these amazing snacks. Like uh, we made um, uh, homemade pimento cheese, uh, which was really good. Somebody brought the cowboy caviar, which you love. And I don't know if that one, that one, not that it matters, but it was black bean. Um, Salsa? I can't remember what the name of it. Anyway, black beans, corn, so onions, uh, cilantro. So delicious. Yeah. It was, and you eat it with chips, basically. And then our friend Mark, we... <laughs> We call them crack bars. He makes cheesecake these bars. cheesecake bars that are so delicious. Mm-hmm. I hate and to leave anybody Kevin out because everybody makes cornbread. Yes, uh, the buffalo dip. The buffalo dip from Chris. Chris made the bean dip too. The main Todd dishes. Todd and Casey brought hash browns. Oh, so had macaroni good. cheese. We had the barbecue. Homemade pound cake that you did. We made homemade pound cake. I think you need to have some spinoff podcast. <laughs> All based on food. <laughs> 
<laughs> All of a sudden, I'm sitting here, and my mind is, I'm thinking of a lot. We need to have a podcast of our travels to the Northeast that was all about Arkham, and Arkham will definitely be another little segment that we do. Uh, yes, it will. Stay tuned for that. Vanessa's going to be coming back with me later in the show to do a book review. That's going to be yes. exciting. Book, yes, very yes. exciting. Okay, we have really digressed. Uh, yes, we have. So let's get back into this. So the first Halloween theme game that we played during the day was Ghosts Love Candy 2. This is from designer Danny Devine, and it's from 25th Century Games. This is a simple little card game. Actually, I had just finished playing Thunder Road Vendetta, and actually, I got eliminated from Thunder Road Vendetta, so I came over there. It's like, oh, can I jump in on this? Mm -hmm. And you guys sat and taught me a card game about basically ghosts trying to steal candy from kids. Yes, the ghosts are haunting the kids. This is a very cute game. The kids all are dressed in costume, and they're really cute names and have really cute like little stories or blurbs about them. So you have different ghosts. I was Max Spooky. So you have your deck of the trick-or-treaters, and then you have your ghost. And so every player uh, is a ghost, and you get your set of ghost cards. And basically, on your turn, you're just going to play one of your ghost cards. And once you play it, that's it for the end of the round, for the end of the game. And what is really neat is there is a little uh, trick-or-treat bag, and it's filled with candy tokens. Mm -hmm. There's peppermint, candy corn, chocolate. And along with the candy tokens, there's also junk tokens and that's what every kid does not want to see in their trick-or-treat bag. which are worth negative points and one of them was so funny because it was a toothbrush <laughs> yeah a toothbrush <laughs> a, a penny, penny. <laughs> but, i can't remember the, re- the rest of them but yeah. at the very beginning of the game you get secret objectives telling you what kind of candy that you're really looking for yeah you have a card and it um gives candy points yeah so like for example the Licorice was the highest valued candy for me, but it's going to be mm-hmm. different for every person. Mm-hmm. And so during your turn, you're going to take one of your numbered cards and put it down below one of the trick-or-treaters. And when you do, you could take the treats that were assigned to them at the beginning of the round. Now, each of the trick-or-treaters also have a value on it. And if the ever the ghost, the sum of the ghost at the, below the card equal or exceed that value, you scare the kid and get it. But all these kids have special abilities that will trigger either when you play a card there or when you scare it and get it into your hand. Yep. And I neglected to say that. So your deck of ghost cards are one, two, eight, or nine. I forgot. And at the beginning of a round, you uh, choose what number you want to play. Everyone shows their number. Whoever put the highest, Mm -hmm. that person goes first in the round. If that number is lower than the trick-or-treaters number, then it does not scare it. Mm -hmm. The number has to be greater than, and then it scares it, and then you get the trick-or-treater card. Yeah, and at the very end of the round, after everybody's played, you give every trick-or-treater out there a brand new piece of candy. So if there was a trick-or-treater that somebody didn't visit before, they get more candy. Yeah, and the candy's just laid atop the cards. Um, And if they get a junk piece, you you keep laying down tokens until they get a candy. Yes, yeah. No trick-or-treaters left, which is junk. And so then everybody is basically going for different pieces of candy because everybody is valued differently, which I really liked. And and so basically, after you play all nine cards, you're going to reveal your scoring for each of the different types of candies and count them up. And as most points win. But some of the the kids have end-of-game scoring abilities. Some of them give you negative victory points. So the uniqueness of the game is the abilities of the trick-or-treaters themselves. Yes. Yep. Yep. Because one, I think Casey had it to where one of them, all of the junk was worth a point. 
instead right. of a negative point. It, what was it? And what was it? Was it trash can? I can't remember. It was really clever. I think it was every, all. Uh, I could have just sat and read all of the cards. Very clever, clever names for the kids and what they do. Yeah, it's like, for example, one of them is named Fly. Take a treat from the discard pile and place it on any kid in the neighborhood. Your trick-or-treaters, I think you lay out six of them, and that's called the neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. So, again, very, very cute game. Thematically, it was fun. Very Very easy to learn, easy to play. It plays in about 30 minutes. So that was was the the first Halloween theme game that we played for the day. And I think Peppermint was one of the candies. So here's, here's the funny thing. My highest valued candy was black licorice, and that is the thing I despise the most is black licorice. You <laughs> I like black licorice? I was just no, I don't like black licorice. I don't really like licorice licorice very much. You like Twizzlers. Yes, I don't like Twizzlers. But strawberry. Not black. Anyway. <laughs> all right. <laughs> so the next two games I I want to ask your listeners a question. Well, they if can't, they've they ever can't gotten answer you. Just like a regular peppermint, like a starlight peppermint. Do they give those or have they ever gotten those for Halloween? Because I have not. We actually played two games and both of them had peppermint as one of the candies given. Well, why don't we talk about that other game? Let's do that. Have you ever gotten peppermint? I do not remember getting peppermint. Do you remember getting, uh, was it Mary Jane's, the hard candy? I loved Mary Jane's. You liked those? I was not yes. a big fan of those. Well, you know I have terrible teeth, so I have terrible <laughs> teeth now. It's They're like chewing on a brick. Cavities and messed up, but I really like the taste of Mary Jane's and peanut butter logs. Do you like peanut butter logs? Uh, yeah, I think, okay. Or did, I, get, I don't know what they call them I around here. I like getting Tootsie Rolls. Tootsie Rolls is the waste of the candy for Halloween. <laughs> What was your favorite thing to get in little Marty's trick-or-treat bag? I'm trying to think. I'm, You know what? I just, I just like pixie sticks. A lot of people gave pixie sticks. I don't used to oh, enjoy I love those things. Pix- yep. A fun dip. Some people give out the Ooh, small samples like of fun, fun dip. I dip, too. Yeah. Yep. My mom always made popcorn balls, and that was like... But we never really had... I lived way in the country, listeners, and we never really had a lot of trick-or-treaters, so mom would make all of these popcorn balls, and then we just got to eat them. <laughs> So the other game that we played that had to do that had some peppermint in it was a game called Tricks and Treats, and this is from Trick or Treat Studios and designer and friend of the show Emerson Matsushi, which is why I wanted to play it because I typically love uh, his games. And in this game, it's also you're trying to collect candy. It's really neat how they're both very quick, very um, easy to pick up card games, both about trick or treating. But yet they're a little bit different. So you got the ghost haunting the kids and the kids are the cards. And this one, you have the pumpkins and the candy. Yes. Yeah. And so there's going to be a number of pumpkins set out based on the number of players. There's going to be a couple more cards. And they're different the colors. And they're different. Yes. And everybody is secretly given uh, one of those pumpkins mm-hmm. at the beginning of the game. Mm-hmm. And what you're trying to do is make sure by the end of the game that your pumpkin has the most candy in it. Mm-hmm. So on your turn, you're going to draw a card and take a card and put it below one of the pumpkins. But you don't want to be too obvious because at any time during the game, somebody can accuse you and say, wait a minute, I think your pumpkin is number like, say, three. Mm-hmm. And I have to reveal it. And if it was number three, I'm eliminated from the game. So as you're playing, you want to spread out where you put your candy but you're trying to secretly maybe put a little bit more in the one that's going to be counted for you at the end of the game. 
and not that it matters, but they were A, B, C, D, and E. <laughs> One, two, three. Oh, it does. It does. Yeah, okay. you're right. There were letters. Yeah. And then in with the candy cards, there are also some like cards that activate something within the game. Yeah. So at yeah. the beginning of the game, you also sprinkle in two of these special cards that are in the line with the uh, the pumpkins. Mm-hmm. And you could put a candy below that. And when you do it, may it may activate or do some sort of special ability. And there's a lot of cards and that just adds some variability in the game. And one that we had when we played was if the number of cards is... Even if the number, if it's an even number of cards under the special card, then the pumpkins A, C, C, and E E would get an extra 10 points. Yes. And if it was odd, then it was B, D, F, or something like that would get uh, the extra 10 points. mm -hmm. So we were secretly, you know, my my, uh, pumpkin was A. So I just want to make sure that there were even number of cards at the end of the game on that one. So I really like that because I was wanting to, I was just trying to see what was low numbered candy and slipping in the pumpkin that the pumpkins that weren't mine. That that was a fun game. Yeah. And that one actually had two ways you could play. Like during play, if you accuse someone and they were eliminated, or it said for experienced players so that no one would be eliminated during the game, at the end of the game, if you had a guess of whose pumpkin the people had, and if they guessed correctly, then that person. Yeah, yeah. So that way you didn't have... Automatically lost. There wasn't player elimination during the middle of the game. Right. Yeah, so this plays out to four players, 10-minute filler game. Very... Cute candy cards. Yes. Now, the game I was most excited about that you had no interest in playing. <laughs> I know. Marty been working on me for weeks to play this game. I'm like, I'm sorry, Marty. I can't play the game. I saw this at Gen Con and immediately got excited about it. This is also from our friend Emerson Matsushi and Trick or Treat Studios. And this is the game Halloween based on the classic 70s movie. And it is a hidden movement style game. Uh, much like Emerson, who had done a previous game, Spectre Ops, where there is a hidden uh, player and they're marking their their spaces on a secret board. In Spectre Ops, you're trying to find that player. In this game, the secret player is Michael. And that's why I can play. He scares me. I know. I totally get that. <laughs> so the secret player is Michael work, moving around a couple blocks in the neighborhood. And that was just, how many of y'all played this game? Uh, three of us played. So there was two, what well, they were called victims, and me as Michael. And how many can play? How many it can players? play up to four. So there could be okay. three victims okay. and one Michael. Okay. And uh, the goal for the victims is, uh, it's playing as the classic characters, Lori, Strahd, and uh, okay. Dr. Loomis, etc. And they're trying to go through the houses and search for a set of car keys, one of two car keys, Plus two of the kids that are in the neighborhood. One of them was being the one of the ones that they were being babysit. They're trying to find the two kids, get the keys, get to the car, and escape before Michael can kill four people. That makes me tense listening to that. <laughs> was so, it tense playing? So that was real. That's a great question because at the end of the game, um, oh, let me just explain kind of what happens during the game. So you have two actions on your turn. And so for the victims, they can move, they can go to a room, they can search. So there's a deck of cards and they're going through the, those deck. Those cards can be items that can help with fighting or maybe search through the other decks. But the goal is to try to get towards the bottom because that's where the special thing is. Again, Get to the bottom of the card deck? Get to the bottom of the card deck. Okay. And there's four card decks in the game. So there's four different houses they can go into. So there's like little doors they can walk through, windows <laughs> they can crawl through, etc. So while they're doing that, Michael is secretly writing on a board and his things are, he can also move, but he can move a little bit quicker. 
And obviously both, both of them can attack, but Michael's attacks are a little bit better. And what happens is they always move quick, don't they? Yeah, they do move quick. <laughs> and um, so let's say, for example, I'm sitting in the corner of a room. Oh, I'm kind of scared. <laughs> and Lori comes in and uh-huh. she's searching something. If she, it, they're facing of a And you're in the corner in and, there. Yeah. I, see, I'm picturing this is my mind in my mind as you're saying this, so facing of, scared. Facing of the character is very important. Okay. As they're moving and they ever turn and I'm directly in their line of sight, I drop my character right in front of them. And if they're right beside me, I get to do an attack. Ooh. Yeah. And of course they could attack me too. And actually it's really thematic. If they attack me and hit me, I I'm staggered. So then I'm not as good. I can't move as fast. Another way to win is to kill Michael, but it takes like 12 damage. We found out it's kind of hard to get 12 damage on Michael, where the characters can only have take like three or four damage and they're out. But what's cool is a player's not eliminated. Let's say Lori is, uh, is killed. What happens is they just pick up a new character and they start playing as it. But everything that uh, she had in her hand now goes to the uh, to that search deck pile in the house that she was in so somebody else has to go back in there and go through that that pile again and found what she had already had how did it end it actually ended with michael winning in the very end now michael can also win if he can last a certain number of rounds for three players if he can last 24 rounds and they haven't escaped michael also wins that way oh so is that how you won I won because I killed four victims. Oh, my goodness. So at the end of the game, I asked. I said, was it tense? And they both said, yes. Because knowing Sounds they could tense. turn the corner and yeah. I was right there yeah. was intense. And I can move faster than them. And so they were trying to scramble to get out because they knew fighting me was kind of useless. It sounds like a game that people need to get for Halloween. <laughs> Play that on Halloween. I, it's really How good. long did it take, y'all? Uh, it says it, it put about 60 minutes. Okay. Uh, it, it could go. It depends on how... Quick, the yeah, game. I mean, yeah. they could have escaped quicker, and mm-hmm. it would have been obviously a lot shorter. I could have killed them quicker and everything. But what I like about it, it's very simple. You just got two actions on your turn: search, move, etc. How you move is very straightforward. Line of sight is very straightforward. How you play as Michael is very straightforward. So it's just cr- re- trying to recreate that feeling mm-hmm. of stress and tension mm-hmm. of looking for the people and the stuff as Michael is, is walking around and stuff. Like one thing I like, he can walk through shrubs. Do you remember, <laughs> you, do you remember like when Lori would uh, look out the window and like Michael be looking out the, the shrubs and she'd look again, he was gone and stuff like that. You don't want to think about that, do you? Well, you know, when I, uh, no, I probably didn't cause I was covering my eyes. <laughs> My head is in my shirt through all of those movies. <laughs> now, I never saw the original. Have you not? Really? No, I haven't seen the original. I think I've seen bits and pieces of... Two. I, I can't talk about scary movies. So, I do need to say this, though. We played a lot of great games for Halloween, but they aren't going to be able to get them in time for Halloween. <laughs> well, no. I mean, but you don't have to just plan for Halloween, that, right? Oh, yes. I, yes, I mean, yeah. I mean, this this movie... um this movie this game based on the movie halloween is just now coming out uh it's one of those i'm definitely gonna keep keep my collection i think i think the boys why are you looking at me like she don't want me keeping the collection (laughs) it's got a great cover of michael oh that's the cover this is cool too so um (laughs) if let's say uh your character your figurine is like staring out a window (laughs) if michael walks by you see him and he disappears so you actually put a marker showing that my, that Michael was right there on the other side of the window. There's little freaky things like yeah, that that you yeah. could do. It's a cool. lot of thought went into that. That's yeah. really neat. So Emerson did a great job in this, but it's not very. 
hard to learn. It's not very heavy, but mm-hmm. it creates just a fun environment as you play. Yeah. 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 I don't know what you had planned, but oh, it had seemed ha- like there I had was Halloween, Halloween theme music. Yes. Yeah. So basically, I just say play the Halloween uh, yeah, uh, soundtrack. Yeah. yeah. So we have the music playing. Yep. It was good. It was good. It was it was a great experience. Yeah. So let's recap the games. Oh my gosh, it's a lot. Okay. Brussels. I didn't mention, but we did play Thunder Road, Vendetta. You played Azul, Dubious, Ensemble. We did play Electronic Catchphrase, which is like a little quick game that Mark brought. Ready, Set, Bet, Tiger and Dragon, Halloween, Tricks and Treats, and Ghost Love Candy 2. But that's just what we played. There were other games being played around the yeah. uh, basement, yeah. too. Argent. Yes, Argent was played. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, <laughs> so they were asking you <laughs> if you wanted <laughs> to play Argent. Now, for those who have never played Argent, Argent's a long game. It's a big table hog. And so Vanessa's like, ah, and she, I looked at her and I'm like, no, no, you do not want to play this. <laughs> and many hours later, as they were playing, I said, see, you did not want to play that. <laughs> But no, it's a good game. I, I've played it before. It's been many years, though. It was. It was a great day, and we played so many great games. Yes, we did. Awesome. But one thing that we did not do, because we wanted to save for this special recording, is... We didn't need a pumpkin spice moon pie. Which is what we're going to do right <laughs> now in Taste Buds. So you were at Walmart. Where did you pick these up at? Walmart. And you said, took a picture and sent it to me. I said, check this out. Pumpkin spice moon pie. For some reason, I thought that maybe you and Tony had already had one. You know what? We probably had, but we're going to do it again. Because <laughs> I'm doing it here with you. Have you had one? Oh, no, no. I'll say, so this will be a special one And it's for you. funny because we, we had them out at BBQ and a couple people got them and they said, oh, I'm going to get a banana moon pie. These are the minis. Oh, it smells really good. It, smell it like- smells like pumpkin. I think it does. No, you're right. You're right. It looks like caramel, but it's definitely, it's definitely yeah, pumpkin. It definitely does not look like banana to me. It's it's not orange. So if that's what you're thinking, it'd be pictured. But uh, you ready to try it? I am. All right, here we go. Is this the way y'all usually do a taste when there's silence and y'all are chewing things? I edit out the heavy chewing because I know that can get annoying. I'll try to turn from the microphone then. What do you think? It is a fresh, delicious moon pie to start out with. The cookie wafer part is really soft. It's pumpkin spice. I can taste it. It is pumpkin spice. It's good. It's good. If you like, pump- good moon if you pie. like pumpkin spice, uh, come this is a good here. moon pie. Mm. Um, I really like this. It is a good pumpkin. It is fresh, isn't it? It's very fresh. Yeah. Ooh, listeners, there's nothing like a fresh moon pie. I guess we should have popped it in the microwave for like five seconds and heat it up. <gasps> Go get another one. <laughs> These are a little bitty mini ones anyway. Listeners, this is really good. It is a really good pumpkin flavor. Not too strong. Good gooey marshmallow in the middle. That's good stuff. Moon, m- moon, I was going to say moon spice. Moon spice <laughs> pumpkin pies. <laughs> I'd void for that. 
We are excited to announce a special promotion with Miniature Market for the month of November. It's a special promo code where you can get $10 off an order of $75 or more. The code you want to use is ROLLING10, R-O-L-L-I-N-G-1-0. It is the perfect time to start buying gifts for your friends, your family, shoot, even yourself. And you know how board games can add up? Well, now all you need to do is get your cart up to $75 over at miniaturemarket.com, enter in that special code ROLLING10, and immediately get $10 off. Now, here's the thing. You're going to have to act quick because you only have one month to participate in this promotion. The code will be active on October 31st and will run through December 1st, which means this goes right through their big Black Friday sale, when they put a lot of items on sale and you can throw a bunch of things in the cart, get $10 off of that. Now there are some exceptions. This code will not work on gift certificates and other items like games workshop items, but it will work for a majority of the things that you would order over miniaturemarket.com. So, so make sure to check our affiliate link in the show notes, which will take you over there. Use the code ROLLING10 and get $10 off $75 or more right now. Five minute initiative begins in three, two, one. Who let the dogs out? Who, who, who? I gotta remember when that song was out there. Oh my heavens, that was a long time ago. Well, let me tell you who did, and that is Good Games Publishing. They let the dogs out for a walking game from called Bark Avenue, designed by Mackenzie Junk and Jonathan Junk. Uh, it's J-U-N-G-C-K. But anyway, you are a dog walker in the great city of New York and you are out there and you are trying to win this game by well, making the most money, by accomplishing, walking different types of dogs, sizes of dogs, but you are constantly being challenged because some dogs don't want to walk with other dogs. Some dogs are very picky on what they want to do when they're on a walk. All in all, your job is to get these dogs picked up and delivered. There's a hint it's the type of game. <laughs> oh, it's 100% a pickup and delivery game. And uh, we had some mixed thoughts about this game around our table because it was so light. So light. But to me, if I was introducing, want to introduce somebody who knows nothing about pickup and delivery games, Park, Park, Bark Avenue is a perfect candidate for that. It's a theme that is very easily understood. Your job is you're a dog walker. You're going to walk up to a block that says, hey, I need a dog walked. You're going to take that card. That card will have some information on it. Like, hey, this card wants to, this dog wants to go sniff a fire hydrant. This dog wants to get a picture made or something like that. And it'll say, this dog needs to, to walk so many turns. And you're just going to take time to get that dog through its paces and get it back to its house in the, in a, in the right amount of time in order to make some money that's based on the card there. But what's really clever is this dog might could be walked with other dogs. Now, there, like you said, there's some limitations. Some dogs don't want to walk with large dogs or small dogs. I think we want to be walked by themselves. So you have to take that up into consideration when it's your turn to decide what dogs you want to pick up from a market that's in front of you. That's it. I think it's a, it's a great way to teach a pickup and delivery style game with a theme that's easily accessible. Now, this game has some events in it. 
It has various challenges that you have to deal with that occur like, oh, the park closed down, so you can't take the dog to the park. You need to be very conscious of if you don't get the dog back, you lose your tips. And if you achieve certain goals, you open up other special bonuses during the game, like being able to walk three dogs or, oh, wait, you only, you get to do an extra action on your turn because you are limited to only do one action. So if Marty's dog wants to go sniff a hydrant and the other dog wants to play fetch, that's wasting two actions. He needs to be very selective in the dogs he walks, provided they're in the same area because you don't want to let your dog get be late home because they're not going to tip you and they're not going to give you a very good star. Yeah, and the map, the, the board is basically a map of a bunch of different blocks of New York City. And the dog will tell you, hey, here's where I am. You need to come into this block to pick me up. When you're not uh, walking a dog, I love the transportation aspect where you could take like a subway from one end of the board mm -hmm. to the other. So you ain't got to waste time walking across the board when you don't have a dog. So getting from one place to the other is very easy to do. One well, my favorite aspect is that the dogs poop and I don't have to clean them up. <laughs> That's right. I love this. You roll a die at the beginning of your turn. And uh, sometimes it just pees, which does you no good. But if you get the poop side of the die, yay, you've pooped the dog, which will earn you some rewards at the end. It's like, thank you for pooping my dog and, and picking it up in the little baggie. Now, the challenge is, like we said, it's very light. You just need to keep that in mind. Also keep in mind that if you're efficient with your routes and how many steps each dog takes, I screwed myself up. I kept picking up dogs that needed to be walked five turns before they could be returned home. And that was not maximizing my routes, my efficiency. It was not there. I was not doing a good job. It's very important to achieve these goals too, because you really need that third dog if, dog if you want to make a little extra money. So that is Bark Avenue from Good Games Publishing. Five minute initiative is complete. One of the hot games at Essen was Imperial Miners from Portal Games. We covered this game a few months ago, and if you want a quick, easy-to-learn, car-driven, engine-building game, then you'll definitely want to check this one out. Like, if I always want to introduce some people to how engine-building works, I probably wouldn't use something like Imperial Settlers that Portal Games also makes. Instead, I'd probably start here with Imperial Miners. Amazing art, easy to grasp, and plays in 45 minutes to an hour. Ignacy said the game sold like crazy at Essen, but it's still available for you right now if you head over to shopportalgames.com where you can get the game for $39 and you get the special bonus progress board. To find out more, head over to shopportalgames.com. You know, we don't always uh, just review games on this show. We're a bit... She just knocked the mic, y'all. <laughs> In my excitement. <laughs> yes, I am here with Marty to review a couple books roll. from Aconite Publishing and these are Arkham Horror theme books. Now, Vanessa... You got to take a moment. Books. We're reviewing books. 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 Marty doesn't read books, listeners. It, it, it is rare that I read books, but these are board game adjacent because we are probably reading these books because of how much we like the Arkham Horror board games and card games. Well, I, I haven't had time to read lately, but I read books just for enjoyment. I mm -hmm. would read these... 
if I were to read these books that we're about to talk about, not knowing that there was a board game mm-hmm. affiliated with it, it would make me want to play the board game. Gotcha. So if you haven't heard of Aconite Publishing, they have worked with Fantasy Flight Games to write a lot of series of books based on the IPs that Fantasy Flight has, such as Legend of the Five Rings. Uh, they've done some Keyforge stuff. They've done Descent, Arkham Horror. They're doing some Marvel books. So there's a lot of games out there that Fantasy Flight makes. And now there's a lot of books being written based on those themes, which I think is really cool because as we're going to talk about, some of the characters and settings in these books relate directly to a board game. You may be playing a board game. It's like, oh, there's that character I read about. I've said it before. So forgive me, listeners, for saying it again. I feel like it's a real town somewhere. The investigators from the game, they are real people. We went looking for it when we did our Northeast trip, but we couldn't find it. <laughs> I, I think we were there and we didn't realize we didn't, it. That's right. No, it is funny. When we were going up to the Northeast, we went through a town called Portsmouth and we thought for sure. Oh, yeah. I was walking through the streets just like, this is it. This is Innsmouth. This we, is really we it. We thought it was Innsmouth. <laughs> or came, the inspiration for it. Yeah. We came home later and come to find out it was another town that we went to, which was... Newburyport. Newburyport that was fashioned after... Or which Innsmouth we was loved. Yeah. Loved that little town. Anyway. 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 So, anyway. Les and I read two different books. I read The Ravening Deep, which well, just came... Okay, here okay. we go. Sorry. I hope there's not a time limit on this oh because <laughs> I was trying to think of some little kind of a catchphrase so maybe the listeners can help it for future book reviews. Okay. <laughs> like uh, Fraser's thing is, I'm listening. I was trying to think, what could we do? We're sitting here in our chair. Like, Welcome to the library. Yeah. Reading with the Connells. <laughs> I don't know. So, And listeners, I have my coffee mug that has all classic books on it. It's my book coffee mug. It's actually my son's, but I'm drinking out of it. Sipping on our favorite coffee. I love curling up on the couch and reading a book. I want to start by talking about mine, Marty. <laughs> I'm sorry. I am super excited. You go right excited. ahead. What did you read? I read Cult of the Spider Queen by S.A. Sador. If you don't like spiders... Uh-oh, really? Yeah. I, Don't read it. Well, well you still got to read it, but be prepared because oh, you, okay. you have to read it. Do you like spiders? What What is your camp on spiders? I feel like people are either like very afraid of spiders or scoop it up on a little piece of paper and let it out the door. <laughs> S- spiders don't bother me unless I walk into a spider web and I'm <laughs> like thinking, was there a spider on? No, they really don't bother me that bad. Yeah. I'm fascinated by spiders mm-hmm. now. I didn't mind spiders before. But now I want to look at the spiders. Like in the yard, we were working in the yard today. How many spiders did we see? Yeah, fall fall around here has a lot of spiders. Good thing we don't have arachnophobia. Well, I wonder if there is a spider queen Mm. in the backyard. Now, I'm curious about this. I I have not read about this book. So just what's kind of a synopsis of it? I'm glad you asked. Mm -hmm. Oh, Marty's I way, am I really worried. Vanessa <laughs> has placed a full cup of coffee on the chair right in front of her, where just a little bit of a push, and that coffee is falling off the chair, and I'm kind of freaking out over here. <laughs> so imagine yourself at the Arkham Advertiser. Mm-hmm. You are the the newspaper in Arkham. The the newspaper in Arkham. You're the uh, mail boy, low okay. on the totem pole, but you are ready to be that. Just breakout journalist? reporter, yeah. journalist, and mysteriously, Uh-oh. some film appears. Mm. 
a famous actress who has disappeared. They now say she's alive. Come and find her in the Amazon. It is about some of our Arkham investigators going on a trip into the Amazon to find uh, an actress, um, Maud, and now I forgot her last name, but they are on their way to find her and they encounter spiders, Uh cultists. Always cultists, yeah. Always cultists. The thing about this book is you are in the dreamlands if you've played the oh, game. Oh, okay. Yeah. I have a question for you. Okay. I've read some other stuff where in the dreamlands, is it too hard to follow? Sometimes when oh, I read no, stuff no, no, about no, no. the dreamlands, it's like it's too almost no. freaky and I can't no. follow it. Okay. No. And it's uh, just a few of the characters and when they go to sleep, they enter the dreamlands and then oh. we earn... Uh, excuse me, learn more about it Mm -hmm. as the story goes on. Mm -hmm. And it's one of these stories that you know it's building to something. It's a very easy, quick read, Mm -hmm. but just a big mystery. And you're just going along with the investigators, going along on this ride down the Amazon. There's one line where they feel the sweat trickling down their neck, and I can feel it and know what that feels like, and spiders on the rail. So let me ask you, so... In my book, uh, which was The Ravening Deep by Tim Pratt, just came out uh, this summer at Gen Con. In fact, I picked it up uh, and they sold out uh, uh, really quick. There's not anything, it's like, ooh, I, you know, who killed who sort of deal. It, it's just almost like an adventure story. Is yours more, is it more of a mystery? Like like the the story's being unfolded as it goes and there's maybe a surprise ending at the end? or Because mine isn't like that at all. Mine's almost like an action story. I would say this one is action. There's definitely action at the end. Mm-hmm. It's like a, it's like a film that slowly unfolds. Okay, and you don't know what is behind the next. Okay, okay. Behind the next page, behind the next spiderweb. Mm-hmm. So, who was the investigator uh, in this book? Archaeologist Ursula. Downs. Now, this is really interesting. In the card game, there's a whole um, scenario that came out, a campaign that came out called The Forgotten Age, where they go into the Amazon, and one of the characters you can play as is Ursula Downs. Oh, wow. And in fact, it kind of makes me want to um, get a real quick scenario and put an Ursula Downs deck together. Maybe we could play sometime, because you could like play as that character. <laughs> So Marty gave his little sniff because I haven't played the card game. Mm-hmm. You know what? I would do that. I mean, again, it just brings some of this stuff to life. So in the yeah. book, The Ravening Deep, one of the characters in here that you spend a lot of time with is Carl Sanford. Carl Sanford pops up in like everything in Arkham because he's the head of the Twilight Lodge, uh, which is referenced a lot in the card game, mm-hmm. board game and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it was really cool. Seeing a side of him, I would have not to have expected to have seen in this story. So, uh, in the in this book, there because usually he's not very exactly, and it's not that he's good, mm-hmm. but you you kind of respect him a little bit more um, after reading this because uh, in, in this one there is a god of the sea that's that's trying to be brought back. It, typical Arkham Horror thing. Somebody's trying to bring back a god to life. You know, that tends to happen a lot hey, in stories. That was happening in this one. Yeah. So that is a kind of a common trope. Uh but it had to do But it's what it is. Yeah, it is. So there was a group that was trying to get bring back a god. There were two female leads in here and, and Carl Sanford's kind of worked together as a team. They each had their own story. Like the burglar had stolen something from Carl Stan- uh, Sanford. Is she doing everything to do with him? And there was another woman, uh, uh, the main character who was trying to infiltrate the Twilight Lodge and actually take it down. And all of a sudden, these three are working together because none of them want this other god to come back. 
And so it's it's just a really cool like team up sort of thing. Unlikely, unlikely friends or unlikely team that happens across the story. Oh, so, well, this one is Ursula gets together her team, but there was a mastermind behind it all. She was, yeah. yeah. So it's the reporter from Mm -hmm. the Arkham Advertiser. Mm -hmm. It is Ursula, a PI that works with her, Jake, and I can't remember Jake's last name, but I don't think he was a character. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure. And then another lady named Iris, who actually uh, wants to go to look for her husband, who is supposedly dead. Oh. But maybe he isn't, or maybe he's too far gone. Now, I'm very, now I'm very intrigued by that, because most of uh, the stuff that I've read and dealt with kind of stays in Arkham. So oh, yeah. It, it, so it'd be cool to read a story that doesn't yeah. actually take place yeah. in Arkham. Yep. All in, it starts out in Arkham, and mm-hmm. I think Carl may be in it at the beginning. And then they get their team together, and they take off for the Amazon. Yeah. And it is a great adventure. Now, you said uh, early on it was kind of slow, but kind of built up over time. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, it is very descriptive, and I like those books, too. Because okay. I was saying um, earlier, if you listen to an earlier review we did, I talked about how I like to visualize it and it's a little movie mm-hmm. in my mind so that was great just to be able to visualize everything like that that's cool mine was i kind of got into it really quick they did a good job it's like the first three or four chapters kind of introduces a character tells you their story introduces another character tell your story and then they start intertwining together mm-hmm. and so that's it was it was told really well so I, I really enjoyed tim pratt's writing i'm not sure if he's written so we have a whole stack of books over here and uh, I enjoyed this collected. one, too. I enjoyed the writing of this one, too. Oh, have you, you read? This is the, the same read, author, Last Ritual. I read... Essay <gasps> Sador! <laughs> I read The Last Ritual! Yeah, the, I, the, this was Another an good one? awesome book. Yes, yes, The Last Ritual. And actually, I read... This is the first book that came out, The Wrath of Nakai from Josh Reynolds. Mm-hmm. And I loved the main heroine in this because I mm-hmm. thought she was a really cool kind of like mm-hmm. action character. Mm-hmm. He has another book that came out this past spring. I'm going to get a copy of it and read it. It's another one of her stories. Yep. And I read that one too. And then we have another one here by Rosemary Jones, Mask of Silver. And I think I read Rosemary that Jones is writing the Christmas one that we're getting ready to get. It's Ooh. a Christmas themed Arkham Horror game. And then this one, The Devourer Below, mm-hmm. is a collection of short stories. And I read that one as well. Now, speaking of collections. Trying to get you to read with me. Yeah. <gasps> what? That's our, could be our tagline. What? Read, read with, with us. Me. Read oh, with read. us. Read with me. Yeah, there you go. I like it. Uh, okay. <laughs> he doesn't because he went... Fur, fur, fur. There's two other books, Grim Investigations and Dark Origins, okay. which are basically a taking of all the novellas that came out for the card game. So uh, when they were releasing the card game, they were releasing these little short stories with a special uh-huh. insert card to the investigator, mm-hmm. and they were very hard to find. Since they're all out of print, they've taken all those and put them into one book, Dark Origins and Grim Investigations. So if you didn't get those novellas from Arkham Hara, you can read the stories in there. And it's between the two of them, you get all of the yeah. novellas. And I read a couple of them. Mm-hmm. I need to read more of those. And see, what makes this interesting is, is the person who plays the card game is if I'm getting ready to play a new investigator. I'll see if they have a, a novella and like find out more about them before I create their character and uh, play the game. That is so very neat. And what I love about Arkham mm-hmm. is how every investigator has a story. Yeah. And 
I just love the 20s now. They're kind of set in the 20s. And I, what I loved about this book, Cult of the Spider Queen, it, the, um, the reporter, I could just imagine him going, I say, I say, I got a good story here. I got a good story here. I'm going to go to the Amazon. I'm looking for an adventure. <laughs> that's pretty good. <laughs> oh, that's- and then the, the beautiful lady who could have been an actress, she's smoking her cigarette. Mm-hmm. It's a great book. Yeah. And it's in fact, book. you you every once every once so often you'll like listen to twenties music. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Twenties <sighs> jazz and stuff like that. Some twenties jazz. It's always even before Arkham, if there's one period in history I would like to visit, it was always the early twenties, the roaring twenties. When you hear about that, it was just an it seemed like a very interesting period for me. It was like everything was going yeah, it was right after the war war. Uh, a lot of things were going really well for the economy and everything like that. And you did have prohibition that was going kind of going on. That was causing some problems and stuff like that. And you know, it was like when everybody was getting cars and it was a lot of industrialization was going on. It just seemed like a cool period. I just can't imagine being alive when the car came around. Electricity. Yeah, and in fact, in some of the books I've read, it's like you get they go to places and they didn't have electricity hooked uh-huh. up yet and stuff like yeah, that. So. Yeah, they were probably like, "What sorcery is this? <laughs> what type of sorcery?" So this was just a quick overview of a couple of the Arkham yes. Horror books. Yeah. Now these, yeah. I've only read the Arkham Horror from Aconite, but again, if you go to their page, um, A C O N Y T E, that's the name of the publisher. They have just have books in all these different worlds that you can go look up and read about. Again, if Marvel, they got a lot of uh, novels just on Marvel characters and stuff like that, dude, because they make a Marvel card game. Oh, okay. So Marvel, Arkham, what else do they have? Zombie Side. Ter- oh, wow. Terraforming Mars is kind of odd. Uh, Legend of the Five Rings. Uh, Wait a minute. I bet Terraforming Mars, that's kind of fantasy, sci fi. Sci fi, it'd be sci fi. It's based on it. They. I said Fantasy Flight games. They Fantasy Flight does not make Terraforming Mars. Oh, gotcha. uh, But this was based in that that same universe. They got did I say Zombie Side? I like sci-fi. Yeah. Oh, and here's the thing: if you're into video games, mm-hmm. they have books for Watch Dogs, Assassin's Creed. Actually, Tony picked up an Assassin's <gasps> Creed book. Oh, that sounds uh, interesting. I wonder if Adam would like any of those because yeah. he really likes Assassin's yeah. Creed. Uh, Tom Clancy's The Division. There's a lot of. Assassin's Creed books. So if you're into the uh, Assassin's Creed game, you might want to check out some books from them there there too. We got to build a bigger library. <laughs> we big... need a bigger library. Yeah, like we need a bigger boat. No, we need somewhere to put your games. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> it's not the books that are the problem. All right, so there you go. If you're interested in any of these uh, books, you can head out to aconitebooks.com. Find out more about them. They're available maybe at a local bookstore, and I know they're available online because I think Miniature Market carries them. And come back and read with us. Hey, Vanessa, remember when we played Decorum from Floodgate Games last year? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's the game where you had like the uh, layout of a house Mm -hmm. and you put some furniture and stuff in the house. And each of us had our own personal objectives to try to get the house decorated a certain way. Right. But they were secret objectives. (gasps) There were secret objectives. Like I might could only have this room painted in blue Mm -hmm. or we could only hang a picture in the second room. And then we'd have these like these little passive aggressive statements. We go back and forth about, wait a minute, you just changed something I didn't like. Great game, a lot of scenarios in the box, but you know what? It's a finite number of scenarios. So what Floodgate Games has done has introduced a brand new app for your phone. What? Yeah, exactly. It's an (laughs) app you can install on your phone or play on a website. You can start a brand new game. 
and get a code, give it to your partner. They'll uh, put the code in their phone. And then from the phone, it tells you how to set up the board. So you get the board out and everything like that. Tells you how to set everything back up. Then it shows you your secret objectives and you just play as normal. But now you have hundreds and hundreds of scenarios that you could play just giving a lot of replayability to this game. And in fact, there's actually daily scenarios that will change every single day. Wait a minute. What? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You can go to the website and there's a new scenario that comes out at midnight. I'm reading it right here. It comes out at midnight central time. So if you're really obsessed with this game, that means every day you can get a brand new scenario. Wow. It took us a little bit to finish a scenario, didn't it? How long? It depends on the length. It's like 30 to 45 minutes, something like that. But what a great way to spend quality time with your loved one by doing a daily... You know, you have like Wordle that you play every day. I don't. You do. (laughs) Instead, play a game of Decorum. That's right. It's a brand new app for the game Decorum. Get it on your phone. Play on a website. And if you don't have Decorum... Vanessa and I talked about it last year. We love the game. We, we think did. it's a great it, game. It is a great game. For you and your loved ones to play. Decorum and Decorum app out now from Floodgate Games. Or anyone, you don't have to love them. <laughs> now, Vanessa, typically for our outro, Tony and I talk about some video games that we're playing. I know you haven't been playing any video games uh Reese's just blinking her eyes at me it's, <laughs> uh, you've not been playing any video games but sometimes during this what we call like our pop culture outro section we may talk about tv shows or movies that we've watched and typically stuff i watch tony doesn't that's why i'm excited to have you here because for our special halloween episode i feel like i know where you're going with this and before you do uh-huh i want to say something about video games okay i would love to learn street fighter And I have tried to, but I don't like to practice. (laughs) (laughs) And that is a hard game. (laughs) I want to get better at Street Fighter, but don't want to practice. You don't look at it as practicing. You just look at it as playing the game. And as you play the game, you just get better. Yeah. But I I do want to learn how to play Street Fighter. I do like that. I know Travis would be all over that. Um, so instead of practicing, I do like to watch TV and mm-hmm. watch movies and, since it's and a, read books. <laughs> and since it's a halloween theme type episode, tonight we just finished watching Fall of the House of Usher on Netflix. This is a, a series from Mike Flanagan, who has made several other Netflix series that we've enjo- watched and enjoyed, like The Haunting of Hill House, The Haunting of Bly Manor, two of them we didn't watch, Midnight Mass and The Midnight Club, and then The Fall of House of Usher. Now we watched... Uh, the Two Hauntings and The uh, Fall of House of Usher. Now, one thing interesting to me about A Fall of House of Usher, because it's based on uh, Edgar Allan Poe, obviously, but it's not just that one story. It's like a lot of his stories were incorporated in this entire series, and that was really cool. That was really cool. And a lot of the stories I didn't realize were from Edgar mm-hmm. Allan Poe. And it was really neat to see how he compared them to modern society. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like I kept saying through each episode, whoa, there's a lot of social commentary here that we could go into really deep. Right. But I also need to say that I had to put my fingers in my ears yeah. and close my eyes a lot so, because so, they are mature. Yeah. So uh, warning, there are is heavy, heavy, heavy language. Very, very coarse language to the point. It's like it loses its poignancy when it's just done so much. And it's like, okay, you know, it, it didn't anyway. Yeah. That's well, just my prudish self. Uh, it is a warning. It is warning. It's very mature. And there is the second episode, which is 
also a very mature episode based on some nudity and stuff like that. So forewarned, just if you, this is our little parents guide. This is not for kids or anything like that. I think this is probably of the three that we watched, probably the most mature yeah. uh, of the three yeah. uh, by yeah. far, by far. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, once it was over, we really enjoyed it and really liked the story and how it wrapped up. I'm not going to spoil anything. Basically, it just tells a modern story of a family called Usher. And they're a, uh, a huge, uh, rich family that's the head of a pharmaceutical company. And none of the characters are really likable at all. <laughs> Except the one who you would think is supposed to be bad, but right. you, it, it, you end up liking her. Yeah. So, um, but yeah. <laughs> I thought it was very good casting, very good directing. We love film. We love watching movies to see the set and the acting and the... I was saying the dialogue was and really the dialogue good. The dialogue was, I mean, because they kept incorporating actually sayings <laughs> and, and poems and stuff oh, from, yeah. from Poe throughout, mm-hmm. which was really, mm-hmm. really good. And mm-hmm. it's funny, you watch something like Loki, and then we mm-hmm. follow this on its heels, and it's like, man, the, the difference between dialogue between those two shows is just like really drastic. You see, it's like, wow, that is really simple, and this is more... Well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I mean, come on. Many of the Disney Plus shows we watch and have been lacking when it comes to dialogue. It's not exactly clever stuff that's being sold. But anyway, I, well, like- I was just impressed with some. Yeah. I mean, oh I, no, it was I very you, impressive. I Paul's and I said the speech that they're doing right here is just really yeah. well written. Yeah, the soliloquy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I wasn't jump out of my seat scared though like haunting of hill house i would be scared like i couldn't go down into our basement after watching an episode of that haunting of hill house was freaky um because well because they had these ghosts popping up and stuff and Mm -hmm. it that was because it was scary and like the thing with that show is like in all these scenes if you looked around there was a ghost Mm -hmm. and all the scenes and stuff like it it was was spooky it was jump out spooky this wasn't jump out spooky. Mm-mm. It was very, very clever. Yeah. It was very clever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I don't, how I, this. Obviously, we want to give any details. I sure. I, I would just say what's cool is uh, each episode's kind of named um, mm-hmm. after one of Edgar Allan Poe's stories. And it's really cool how how it's incorporated into that episode itself. Yeah. In a modern way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, it's, it, it's good. So if y'all like uh, well-written, well-acted TV shows, Fall of House of Ushers, worth checking out. With the caveat, it is, is it is a mature show, so do not let your kids watch. And you might have to put your fingers in your ears and cover your eyes sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> and ask your your partner, is it over? Is it over? Is it over? But that's not have a blanket. Just tell me when this is done. Tell me when it's over. And it wasn't, it wasn't a little scary. There were some violent scenes in there. And I, scenes. the Gore first scenes. one, I had my eyes closed and I was like, tell me when it's over. And then Marty proceeds to give me a very descriptive of what's happening. I'm like, stop talking. Well, I thought you were to know what's going on. Do the words. Tell me when it's over. <laughs> mean a play by play description. <laughs> no. <laughs> so then the next episode I had to say, just tell me when it's over. What else have we been watching that we've enjoyed? What's that we've enjoyed? Both of us are really enjoying the anime Jujutsu Kaisen. 
Oh, yes. This is in its second season. Uh, so we watched the first season, went to the theater, mm-hmm. saw the movie. Mm-hmm. Second season has started. Mm-hmm. But Jujutsu Kaisen is a very popular anime right now. It's on... Oh, yeah. And I, I'm enjoying it. I think I'm the really first season is on Netflix, but we're watching on Crunchyroll. And then we had um, Bert recommended to us Your Name. Yes. That was good. Your Name is... Uh, yeah. And it's done by the same person that did Suzume, uh, which is a movie that we saw in the theater early this year. It is... It is not one of the typical anime with eye popping, <laughs> you know, wild and the typical anime <laughs> yeah. type, type characters and stuff. Where like the three eyes mouths bug out. Yeah, coming three, out yeah. of there. <laughs> Weird demon stuff. It was just a nice story. It was just a good story. Now, here's what we're watching, which is the other end of the pendulum from mm-hmm. Usher. Mm-hmm. <laughs> great British baking show. Oh, it's great British <laughs> baking season, y'all. Every Friday night. <laughs> We sit down and enjoy the great British baking. Bake With off. coffee and some kind of little treat. <laughs> and I didn't know until last night, you don't care for Paul Hollywood. I do not care for Paul Hollywood. This may reach London, so edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> if Paul Hollywood is listening to this... <laughs> That would be hey, hey. We had Kim Joy on the show. We interviewed we interviewed a contestant Kim Joy on a Great British. If y'all are newer to the show, several years ago, Vanessa and I interviewed Kim Joy, who was on one of the seasons of the show because she was into board games. Mm-hmm. She was in the process of helping design a board mm-hmm. game. Yeah, I reached out to her. She kindly responded, and we got to talk to her. And it was it was an amazing interview. It was a lot of fun. I love Prue. Prue's your woman. I love Prue. She is 83 years old, Mm -hmm. and I aspire to be like as healthy and vibrant as she is. Yeah. Like now, not when I'm 83 now. (laughs) (laughs) And I still like Noel. I think Noel's an amazing host. Oh, and now Allison. Yes, they're great. They're great. So anyway. Paul's great. Big, big, big fan. (laughs) Paul's great. Paul's great. Uh, Big fan of the uh, Great British Bake Off. But yeah, yeah. That's cool. Usually when I sit here and talk about this stuff, Tony doesn't talk back because he doesn't have any of this. Now, he does watch Great British. I don't know how he watches it because he doesn't have Netflix. I'm not sure how that works. I have to ask him that sometime. But anyway, you want to talk movies, he just like lets me go on. Or go, he doesn't have any comment and stuff like that. So. <laughs> now, movies. Oh. So we've been in a lull yeah. as far as movies, and we Ooh. were kind of for TV shows, too, waiting uh, for everything to start back. But we got some movies coming up. We do. What do we have coming up that we're interested in? Oh, uh, Godzilla minus one. I'm super excited about. There's the TV series Godzilla uh, Monarch. Monarch is based um, another Godzilla series. Uh, What else is coming out? I thought there was another one in December. Uh, There are a couple in December. Did you have any interest in the, the Willy Wonka? I'm unsure about that one. I didn't know about it. It has the the actor that was in Dune. I can't. That was the main lead actor. He's playing Willy Wonka. You may not the see young him. boy. Yeah, yeah. He's it's playing a young Willy Wonka and how he kind of builds the factory. Oh, I'll need to see a preview probably. Yeah, or a trailer. Yeah, an anime movie, Boy and the Heron. I was interested in that's coming out. I remember one thing I sent you. I'm I'm always sending Marty little memes on Instagram, mm-hmm. and one of them was for a Eddie Murphy movie, Candy Cane Lane. Uh, was, I thought that looked cute. Was that Netflix? Yeah. I haven't, Eddie Murphy's good. I'm glad he's still doing some some fun um, stuff like that. 
I love any Christmas movie. Oh, I know one that was uh, interested in. Did I show you the trailer for Silent Night? You did not. Uh, I need to show you this trailer because it's it's like an... No, I did. It's it's where um, there, I said there's not a lot of dialogue in it. And there's a... Th- this didn't give me away because it's in the trailer. The son of a man was killed in a shootout between two gangs. Oh, yes, 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 yes. And then the dad is deaf. Uh, mute. <gasps> the mute. dad is mute. And so that's why it's called Silent Night, because he can't talk. I was, I thought that looked pretty good. I don't know if there were any others. I remember thinking we don't, we don't really have a lot. I'm just ready to go back and use our popcorn, because at the beginning of the year, we bought the special bucket of popcorn that could be refilled for four bucks. Now, Vanessa, for the first six, seven months of this year. We were going like every other week. <laughs> no kidding. And we got our money's worth out of the popcorn. I hadn't had popcorn in a long time. Y'all ready for theater popcorn. <laughs> There's nothing like a movie. There's nothing. It's, it's fun. There's nothing like a movie. You sit in the theater, you eat your popcorn. And I know that we're talking about the TV segment right now, but that's how I feel with a book, too. Books are movies in my head. Mm-hmm. You've said that a lot this episode. I have because I'm so excited about these books. <laughs> we're back on the bookshelf. <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right. Well, Vanessa, thank you so much for sitting in uh, while Tony had to be away. You are um, so welcome. But uh, during this time, Tony and I have been playing a lot of games. So y'all need to come back next episode because we have a lot of games that we need to catch up on and talk about. A lot of full reviews coming up. So that's uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait to write the intro for you for that because it's going to be a lot of games we have to say really fast. <laughs> I'll be ready. All right. All right. So do you know how we end the show? I do not. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for listening. <laughs> Bye, y'all. No. (laughs) Y'all, I've been doing this for over 10 years, and she doesn't know our (laughs) sign-off. This is kind of hurtful over here. Uh, I've never made it to the end of an episode. <laughs> how do you how do you end it? <laughs> Look, to be fair, hardly anybody makes it to the end of an episode. Look, you say keep rolling dice. Oh, keep rolling dice and taking names. Hey y'all, thanks for listening to this very special episode and make sure to come back next episode because we have lots of games to catch up on and we can't wait to tell you all about them. Please join our Discord channel. Make sure to follow us on the socials at Dyson Names and don't forget our special code over at Miniature Market, Rolling 10. Oh, that's your outro? I knew that. Sure. Sure.